Well, after describing the gospel in so much detail, Paul now says, what shall we say to these things? And uh, he then launches into one of the most magnificent passages in the Bible. And we're going to explore that from now on for a few days. Thank you very much for joining me today. This is Colin Cook and How It Happens. You're listening to a broadcast on the good news of the gospel as we explore it through the book of Romans and various other parts of the Bible. You know, this book trains our faith, and I hope you will listen into this program to train your faith so that you know how to trust when things are down and when things are going well as well. Because uh, this world is continually thrusting doubt and contrariness into our minds and hearts, and we need a faith that can uh, work against that. And uh, this book, the Scriptures, and above all, the Book of Romans, gives us a buttress against all the onslaughts of the world. You can listen to this program any time of the night or day, at uh, by lis- uh, downloading a free app, soundcloud.com. You can go directly, if you want, to soundcloud.com slash faithquest. Or when you get there, downloading the app, you can uh, key in how it happens with Colin Cook. You can also listen to the program on uh, faithquest at podbean.com. And listen on the radio at 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning on KLTT AM 670 in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states areas. So this is the passage that is so glorious. I want to read it to you. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a marvelous passage, right? That's Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. Now, he says, what shall we say to all these things? Well, what things is he referring to? One could say the nearest context, which is, of course, that he is has predestined the world. You remember what we studied yesterday and a few days before that? Romans 8.29, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. 
Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So from the before the world was created, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit set it in their hearts to redeem the world, knowing full well that the world would fall into rack and ruin by sin and death. And so God is for us. What shall we say to all these things? If God has predestined and predetermined to rescue this world, then that's the good news, isn't it? And then that is what he's talking about when he says, what shall we say to these things? But there could be more, couldn't there? Because he has spent the last four or five chapters talking about all the wonderful things that the gospel of Jesus Christ has done. He talked about Christ being the righteousness that God has given to the world when mankind had none of it, no righteousness. He talked about how Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And it will be, Paul says, the same for us as we believe. God will count it to us as righteousness. That obviously means that faith is a gift from God because there is no righteousness in man that could be considered righteous. If we have faith and God counts it as righteous, then that means that that faith is coming from God. And then Paul describes, says that we are justified, declared innocent, even when we are ungodly. And he also says that we are reconciled to God while we are enemies, that's Romans 4 verse 5 and 5 verse 10, that even when we have an enemy spirit and an enemy heart against God, God has reconciled us to himself and will draw us by his spirit. In the light of all this, then Paul goes into these five, four rather, four magnificent chapters, one where he says we are freed from God's judgment, God's wrath, because we are reconciled to his heart through his Son. Two, we are no longer counted as sinners because we are counted in Christ, who is our new life. Three, we are no longer under the judgment of the law because Christ now is our righteousness. And four, we are no longer under the power of death because Christ has been raised for us and we live by faith in his resurrection until we ourselves will be raised from the dead at the coming of Christ. So all these things have preceded this question, what then shall we say to all these things? So you can consider that question, what shall we say to all these things, as referring to the immediate context of God predestining, predestining us, or you can assume that it refers to the previous several chapters that I've just outlined. But think of it, what can we say to all these things? I mean, the gospel is so overwhelmingly magnificent, so overflowing with grace and mercy that it's almost impossible, well, it is impossible to take it all in. We don't know what to say to these things, except the next line, if God is for us, who can be against us? 
Now, I find this really interesting, this statement, because it says if God is for us. Now, why is that peculiar and special? Well, because God has, uh, Paul has been talking so much about Christ. Christ is our righteousness. Christ is our atonement. Christ gives us access to the Father. Christ justifies us. Christ's resurrection, that's in what we live. And so one would think that Paul would say, if Christ is for us, who can be against us? But he says, if God is for us. How is that? Because what Christ has done is the will of the Father. And because what Christ has done, therefore, reveals the heart of the Father. And what Christ has done makes it very clear to us that God who willed it all is for us. Now, this is important because there are many Christians who are a little bit, well, they don't say it in so many words, but they have this feeling that Jesus is kind and loving, but God is the harsh, tough judge. I remember I knew a friend years ago, I don't think she's with us anymore, but she used to say to me, you know, before I listened to your broadcast, I only prayed to Jesus because I felt that Jesus understood me better and was kind and loving and merciful, but I was sort of afraid to talk to God because he seemed so distant and like a judge. But she said, since I've been listening to your radio show, I realize that what Jesus is doing and has done for us is the heart of the Father. It reveals the Father's heart. And therefore, when I see what Jesus has done, I am drawn back to the Father's love. And that has enabled me, Colin, she said, to pray to my Heavenly Father now. That is so wonderful. And if I recall, I think she said that as well in the light of the fact that her earthly father had been an abusive father. And so it's so difficult for some people to pray to God the Father because they're projecting their experience with their earthly father upon God. Well, you don't have to do it anymore, do you? Because Jesus has revealed the heart of God, and he is not an abusive father. So let the gospel lead you to God's heart, to the Father's heart, because Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. God wanted to reveal himself to us. How did he do it? He sent his Son, who is the express image of the Father. It says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, he is the express image of the Father. So when you get doubtful about God and wonder whether he's safe and wonder whether he's caring for you, then look at Jesus. And when you get a good glimpse of Jesus and how compassionate he is and how he came to live among us and how he died as a sacrifice for our sins and how he is now raised from the dead, when you see all that, then you say, that is the heart of the Father. So you see, if it is God's will 
from the foundation of the world, no, before the foundation of the world, to save his people, to determine it beforehand, that is what predestination means, to destine beforehand, if it is his will to rescue this planet, what an incredible heart God the Father must have. And we can come safely before him as his children, we can call him Daddy, we can call him our Father, knowing that we are safe in his home and in his heart. David knew this by inspiration years before when he said, In your presence, this is uh, Psalm 16, King David, In your presence is fullness of joy. At your hand are pleasures forevermore. My goodness, this is just incredible to think about. When you pause, you ponder, close your eyes, look up, and think of God in that way, how safe he is, how beautiful he is, how much you want to be in his presence. This is what the gospel is teaching us. What shall we say then? In other words, how shall we conclude all we have so far learned? If you've learned it well from this radio broadcast, if you've learned it well, then your heart will say, if God is for us, who or what can be against us? And the answer, of course, is rhetorical. Nothing. I mean, the question is rhetorical. Nothing can be against us. No one can be against us. No matter how many onslaughts of the devil and how, many, how much opposition from human beings follow, comes our way, no matter how many troubles, nothing can be against us because God himself is for us and he has power over all things. Well, thank you for listening today. You know, this program is supported by listeners. It is not, uh, it, it, nobody pays for this program except you who listen. And I thank you so much for your kindness in sending donations. Fif uh, $39 per 15 minutes this broadcast costs. If you would like to make a donation to support the program and to keep it going, the program is now in its 25th year, then please uh, send your donation to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. That's FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. Or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Thanks. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.